Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Welcome, friends. So glad to have you join us this amazing weekend. Now, we're in this series called Great Reward, and today the topic I have for you is identity crisis. Now, if you're with us last week, we talked about Paul's encouragement through our frustrations. You know, we talked about how we can put spiritual and godly disciplines in place to help us navigate through the pitfalls of life. Because when we don't have those disciplines in place, we tend to drift like a boat on an ocean and sometimes we drift into stormy weather you know a place where we don't necessarily want to be but if you're on a boat you can put a tether or an anchor that can be dropped that will secure your boat in safe waters because none of us want to end up in uncertain waters or in a stormy weather that can capsize or destroy our boat we want to be able to navigate through life and live a life of success. And we don't wanna drift because when we drift into unknown waters, we get swept up in a culture or an atmosphere that does not benefit us. So today, I really want us to get into this concept of identity and the identity crisis that we face. So question for you before we get started or as we get started, who do you identify with? You know, a lot of time we look into media, we look at celebrities, we look at actors or actresses or superstar athletes that compete at a high level and we want to emulate and and be like them. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that when they have great qualities. You want to be able to emulate or admire someone that's doing excellent in their field. And oftentimes we want to be like certain celebrities or actors. You know, when I was growing up, Michael Jordan was the most popular athlete in the world and everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. In fact, Nike, who was the sponsor, had this ad that talked about be like Mike. And all the kids, they wanted to be like Michael Jordan. You know, they wanted to step back and shoot that fadeaway shot. They wanted to do that last second shot that would win the game. Everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And maybe in this world today, you have someone that you want to be like. Maybe it's a celebrity, as I said, maybe an influencer on Facebook or Instagram that you follow, that you want to really admire and look up to. You know, we oftentimes want to find identity with people because we think that if we can look like them, if we can act like them, maybe we'll be able to feel like them. See, the tension, however, for us as Christ followers, the strongest pull from society is to identify with someone and that maybe that you want to be like and or someone that you think is worth admiring. And that might be something that we do on a consistent basis. You know, follow them on Instagram, check out what they're posting, what's happening in their life or check out on YouTube what they're going through and and their family life and things like that. The problem is that this brings us into tension of because of who we should really be like. And that is to be more like 
Jesus because that's who we are. We are Christ followers because Jesus, however, is not that flashy movie star. He doesn't drive a $500,000 car. He doesn't have multiple mansions and beaches on the Caribbean where they can just relax and have fun and have all of these people flown in for their private parties and things like that. You know, he doesn't have the massive bank account that can fund all these activities. While your favorite celebrity, well, they're trying to get you to dress like them and they're showing off you know their latest watch or their wristband or their outfit or their handbag or their shoes and and we want to go out and buy stuff to them like them and and act like them and, and dress like them and so oftentimes we find value in trying to be like someone else trying to find value in looking like acting like behaving like some of these celebrities or people out there that are popular Jesus is telling us that we have an identity in who we are already because we were created as unique individuals and we have an intrinsic value because our value does not come from how we act, how we dress, how we behave, what we have. Our value does everything, has anything to do with the people around us. Our value comes from who we are because we are uniquely loved and we are wonderfully created to be who we already are. Each of us is unique and loved especially wonderfully by our amazing God. See, what the enemy tries to do when he tries to get you to act and behave like someone else, the message that they're sending, the message that comes across clearly is that you are of no value because if you have value, then you would be important. And so therefore you need to try and emulate, act like, behave and look like someone else. It's not overtly stated, but that is the underlying message that you are not special. You are not valuable. So be like this person, be like that celebrity, be like that influencer, be like that actor or actress because they're popular and they have thousands of followers. So if you act like them and behave like them, maybe you'll be popular and liked because you are unliked. You are not valuable. And that's the message that's being pushed when people try to get to be like someone else. And here comes Jesus where he contradicts that because he's trying to get us to see that our identity, our value or who we are is not based on any of the other external situations. You don't need to have all of the valuable items. You don't need to have the flashy car. You don't need to have the big mansions. You don't even have to have a huge bank account. You don't have to be educated like someone else. You don't have to have the smarts and the degrees and all of that stuff because all of that stuff passes away. But what you do have is that you are created to be loved because of who you are and more importantly, whose you are. You are loved by God and that makes you valuable. See, it all starts with our identity. The enemy tries to destroy that identity. It try, he tries to take us away from who we're created to be because he understands that when we discover who we are meant to be, who we are in God, 
that we have the ability to change our circumstance. And he doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to keep us confined, to make us feel like we're no value, to make us feel like we're not worth anything. So the longer he convinces us to be like someone else, to have a different identity, he wins the battle. But Jesus and our God comes to show us that our value is found in him. Our identity starts with recognizing whose we are. See, identity is not what you did in the past. Identity is not what you continue to just accumulate. Identity is not what someone else says about you. Identity is not even what your internal voice thinks about you or says about you, where you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you don't have the right possessions, you don't have the right house, you don't have the right car, you don't have enough money in the bank. All those things come to mar us and and make us feel like we don't have any value. But we are who God says we are. And that's what brings our identity. That's who brings us value. See, if you are in Christ, if you are a Christ follower, this is who you are. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are free. You are called and set apart. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer. That's who God says we are when we are in Jesus Christ. See, the reality is this. When you know who you are, you know what to do. Let me repeat that. When you know who you are, you know what to do. And that's the reality of life. Because when we find ourselves in the right position, then we're able to take the right action. So often, we actually find ourselves in the wrong position. And therefore, we make the wrong decisions. See, oftentimes we think it's about trying to do something in order to achieve something. But this is not about behavior modifications. It's not about trying to put things in our life just to look a certain way, act a certain way, or behave a certain way. This is about spiritual transformation. You see what behavior modification does, it says that if you change the outside, how you do, how you act, how you look, how you behave, then somehow you'll change what's on the inside. But see, spiritual transformation is different. Spiritual transformation starts with discovering who you are on the inside that will then come out on the outside. And that's why the scriptures tell us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. When being a Christ follower becomes your true identity, you will begin to see things in a brand new perspective. So often in life, we see what it is that we want to be. And when we see what we want to be, then we begin to shape decisions on how we want to become. And even the smallest decisions are shaped by what we want to look like, what we want to behave. And here's an important principle. Every decision has a consequence on the direction of your life. 
Every decision has a consequence on where your life ends up. And oftentimes we end up in places we don't want to be and we don't realize how we got there. But it's the small decisions along the way that lead us to the place that we end up in. And so often if we make good decisions, decisions influenced by God and his spirit, we end up in the place we want to be most, not where we want to be now. And when you step into your true identity, you will not need to find value in anything around you, not in the things of possessions, not in people, not in anyone else, because they will not add value to your life. The true value comes from discovering who you are in Christ Jesus. And you will ignore or you will walk away from things that will compromise your identity. Your identity will shape your decisions. When you recognize that, when you truly understand, you know you don't have to give in to things that will misshape your image. You don't have to give in to something that's going to compromise who you are. You don't have to surrender to the influences from people out there. You don't have to take on the image of someone else. You don't have to try to be like someone else because you will discover who you truly are, your identity in God. See, this is what the scriptures talk about. This is how the scriptures reveal that concept to us. It says this, that we don't have to give in to the desires of everyone else around us. In fact, the scriptures say this, you don't have to be a slave to sinful desires. And that is very strong language because oftentimes we give in to the desires that seem to come into our life to overwhelm us, to convince us to behave in a certain way, to act in a certain way, to, to look a certain way, to, to present ourselves in a way that might not be authentic to who we are created to be. But the answer that the scriptures give us, it talks about being filled with the Spirit of God. When you're filled, when you're submerged, when you're surrounded by the Spirit of God, it's a Spirit that empowers you to choose what you want most over what you want now. And so often in our lives, we give up on what we want most to get a momentary satisfaction, something that will please us in the moment, but will compromise who we are supposed to become or who we are truly, right? And so the scriptures really encourage us on how to live a life that's going to actually give us the great reward that we truly desire. Not the temporary things that will come and give us a momentary pleasure and then we're guilty, you know? You're given to little things and then you feel bad after for eating that thing or looking at that thing or going to this place because you might have had a, a few seconds of fun or a few minutes of fun, but then you have a lifetime of regret. So how do we do this practically? How do we not surrender to the desires that seem to overwhelm us? Well, Paul again provides us with the answer as he speaks to the Galatians who, who went through something similar. So he writes to them, and this is what he says in Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
think about that for a second. Walk by the Spirit and you will not give in, you will not surrender, you will not be able to be overwhelmed by all the desires of the flesh. Now, what does that mean exactly, Paul? What do you mean by the flesh? Well, that word flesh comes from this Greek word, which is sarax. And it's mentioned 147 times in the New Testament. Now, when we talk about flesh, we're not talking about the skin that we have or actually this physical body. What we're talking about is our nature, our previous fallen nature. If you're a Christ follower, you've been redeemed. But what Paul is saying is that we have an unredeemed nature that sometimes seems to come in and push out our redeemed state. So he says, don't give in to your previous unredeemed nature. Don't surrender to the confluence of all of these different influences that come into our life. Don't allow this redeemed state to be overwhelmed by your flesh, your fallen or sinful nature. And Paul says again in Philippians 3, we don't put any confidence in the flesh. What is he actually saying? He's saying we don't actually live by willpower. It's not about willpower. He's saying it's about spirit power. Because see, willpower wanes. Willpower has an end, but the spirit power doesn't have an end. It is an inexhaustible power that flows from God into our lives. And so if we live by the power of the spirit, we don't have to rely on the temporary nature of our waning willpower. And so he says, when we do this, when we walk by the Spirit, and again, this comes from another Greek word, which is parapetio, and I love this because it's a present tense verb. Now, why is that important? Well, because it is a continuous, regular action. It's a habitual way of life. There is a consistency of this. When he's saying walk by the Spirit, he's not saying a one-time event, not something you did last week or last month or last year or 20 years ago. No, this is a continuous, regular action. It's a habitual process. It's about doing it constantly all the time. It's walking in the Spirit every moment of every day of every month of every year for the rest of your life. And you might be saying, well, Paul, how do we do that exactly? It's great that you're telling us to walk in the Spirit so we don't have to give in to these desires, but how do we practically do this in our everyday world? Let me give you an example. You know, when I was a teenager, my mother decided to teach me how to ballroom dance, right? So some of you might have watched this on TV where it's Dancing with the Stars, where they do different things and different dances and stuff like that. Well, anyway, she decided that she was going to teach me how to ballroom dance. And so you put up your hands and, and then she begins to guide me and she tells me what steps to take. And at first it was a disaster because I was stepping all over her toes. But as I listened and as I learned, as I followed instruction, and listen to her, she began to guide me through the process of doing this dance, right? And it was a dance of syncing myself with her instructions. And so often, you know, 
It's time where we have to learn, we have to listen, we have to be guided, and then we begin to do the right thing. And so as I learned, she began to nudge me and to guide me and to, to pick up on little cues. I had to pick up on little cues of when we had to go this way and that way. And pretty soon I was walking in sync with her. And that's how it is when we come and walk with the Spirit of God. That's what walking in the Spirit is. It is being in constant connection, being guided by Him, being nudged in a certain direction. It's for picking up the cues that when He speaks that we listen, or we walk in a certain direction, we step back in a certain direction, and we step in this direction, or we move in that direction according to His guidance. It's like when you walk, when you wake up in the morning, and your daily activities as you get up you know and you brush your teeth you're talking to the spirit of god you're inviting god into your circumstance you go to the toilet and you spend some moments there it's about talking to him and preparing your mind and, and connection with him as you shower you say god just direct me in my day fill my mind with your words and fill my mouth with what you want me to say and fill my life with how i should interact with the people that i come in contact with it's about listening to God. It's about being nudged in the direction and when he presents us with opportunities we recognize them and we step into them as he desires us to. So we have to listen for the cues. We have to feel the nudge. You have to be sensitive to the move of the Spirit as we walk in sync with him. You know so often they tell us and you've probably heard this yourself where they say people say I'm taking a step of faith. And I encourage you to take a step of faith because what that means is that I'm learning to trust God more. I'm putting my trust in him. And so don't just take one step, take another step as you learn to trust him and another step and another step. And therefore you're beginning to walk by trusting God and walk by faith and not by what you see, but what you begin to discover of who God is. See, therefore, as we walk in the Spirit, it's a, a succession of steps, one after the other, one after the other. And pretty soon it becomes a habit of walking and being in sync with God. And when you get in sync with God, you begin to discover that your identity is being formed in Christ Jesus, that now you are in sync with the Spirit of God because you're listening for the nudging, you're listening for the voice, you're picking up on the cues and you're sensitive when he moves us in the right direction. Therefore, you can begin to say, God, guide my steps, renew my thoughts, transform my life, Use my life for your purpose. Empower my words. And when we are walking in step with God, it becomes a spiritual habit. Because the more you engage, the more you connect, the more you open yourself up to hear his nudging and his cues, you begin to learn how to walk in the spirit. And that's why Paul says in his words, he says, walk in the spirit and i want to tell you that this is not an overnight story this is not an overnight success story it takes time and that's why paul said walk in the spirit he doesn't say run a race or in other places he says you know we're in a race but here he says walk in the spirit because the reality is that 
sometimes it takes time. It takes time to develop that rhythm. It takes time to learn how to sync our lives. It takes time to be able to discern when he tells us this or to recognize the nudge. And you might even get the nudge, but you're not sure what direction to go in. So it takes time to do that. But when it takes time, there's a great reward that comes from being invested in this kind of walk. Because you see, the rewards of the flesh are momentary. They're temporary. They last for a moment and then they disappear. It's like taking a bite of that delicious cookie. It tastes good and you're happy you got that taste in your mouth. But a few minutes later, you feel guilty because you've compromised your healthy eating. You know, it's like telling someone off when they say something to you and it feels good because you told me I'm going to tell you off. That's how it feels. It's like hanging up the phone when someone's upsetting you. You know, It's slamming the door in someone's face. It's just being nasty to someone because they were nasty to you. It feels good in the moment, but then later we might be paying a long price. And some of us have made decisions on the spur of the moment or in anger, in frustration, that we have been regretting for years. It lasted a moment, but we have years of regret of the things we said, the things we did, the things we have caused to happen in our lives. The great reward always takes longer, but it's worth it because of who you become. You discover your identity. You discover how much value you have in living a life that is going to bring you significance and success. It's about building a strong, intimate marriage. That doesn't happen overnight, but as you develop love and intimacy, as you develop a connection that's going to stand the test of time, you realize that marriage is built on something that is worth more than gold or money in the bank. It's about leaving a godly legacy. It's about having financial freedom as you make great decisions for your life and for the people around you. It's about leaving lasting ministry, not just for us, but for generations to come, that we leave a legacy that we can hand over to others because we're living a life that is great and influencing people to do great things. It's a great reward. It takes time. And so Paul wants us to know that we need to learn how to depend on Jesus, that we can lean into him when we struggle, that we can go to him for strength when we feel weak. We don't have to do this life alone. We don't have to struggle with our own weaknesses when we have God there with us. And that's why we're talking about finding our identity in Christ, because oftentimes we have this identity crisis of not sure what's happening. And so we go through this crisis of identity, and that's why it's called identity crisis. But I'm here to tell you about finding our identity in Christ. So we're going from identity crisis to identity in Christ, because that's who God calls us to be. And so Paul gives us insight into this because, again, he went through similar circumstances. So he's coming from this place of wisdom. He's speaking to us from a place of experience that he's gone through. So he's sharing his wisdom with us. You know, in our first episode, we talked about the shame cycle. And then here I want to introduce to you to the cycle of 
success. And this is what the cycle of success actually looks like. The more we depend on the Spirit of God, that begins to build our faith. And the more our faith is built, it empowers us to make right decisions and make right actions. And as we make right actions, we find ourselves getting closer to God. And as we get closer to God, we learn to depend on His Spirit even more, which then builds our faith even stronger and empowers us to make right decisions, which then leads us closer to God. And so we get into this cycle. And so we're not talking about the shame cycle where we go into the spiral of negativity and depression. We're talking about a success cycle that's going to elevate us into the place that God has designed for us and has a place for us. And so we can build ourselves on the character. We can build ourselves on the identity of who God has called us to be. Where we're in this shame cycle, it compromises who we are. It shames us into thinking that we're not of value. It dilutes our image in Christ, while the success cycle elevates us into the character God has called us to be. This is not shame-driven. This is spirit-driven. This is not about trying to look a certain way. This is about being what God has called us to be. This is not about trying to control my flesh. This is about depending on the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to think this. I want you to write it down. And I want it to just flow into you where it becomes who you are. So join me in thinking this thought, writing it down, and speaking it over who you are. Say this with me. I belong to Jesus. Type it in the notes there. Type it in the comments. I belong to Jesus. And I want you to feel that in your very DNA as you say, I belong to God because that's who you are if you've decided to follow Jesus. You're empowered to become more like him because that's what he's doing the work he's performing in us the work the holy spirit is doing in us is to make us become more like jesus and so therefore we're not striving and working to get a result no we are living from this place of identity we're stepping forward from who we are already. We're stepping out into what God has called us to be because we have discovered our identity in Jesus. Because when you discover your identity, I'll say it again, identity drives your decisions. Identity drives your actions. And actions give us results. Actions create results. When I understand this, that I belong to Jesus. I don't try to read my Bible. I read it because I want to get closer to God, because I belong to Jesus and I want to get to know him. And therefore, I honor God with my life. So when I wake up in the morning, I want to give him honor because he has given me life and breath. I'm instantly connecting because I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. I want to live a healthy life and have a healthy body because I know God created me to live a life of success. And if I don't eat right, if I don't exercise right, then I know I'm compromising my identity in God. I'm not just doing it because I have to. I'm doing it because I know that's who 
I am. I want to have a godly wife or a godly husband, you know, a great intimacy there because I know that I have value and they are created in, in the same image of God that I was and God loves them the same way he loves me and therefore I'm going to honor my spouse. I'm not going to mistreat them. I'm not going to dishonor them by going outside the marriage and doing all kinds of things. I'm going to honor them, my wife or my husband, because they are created in the image of God. I'm going to be a great relationships with my kids because I understand that God has given me a gift. God blesses us with children so we can raise them right in relationship with him. And so those blessings are gifts that God has put into my life. I appreciate my job. I appreciate my paycheck because I realize God has given me the wisdom and the strength to do this and therefore with my paycheck I'm going to honor him by good giving my tithe and my offering because that's saying God I'm grateful for what you've done in my life because all of these right decisions come from understanding my identity in Jesus because when you understand who you are you can make decisions based on who you are not on what you want to see around you but on who you are called made, created to be. With God's help, we can choose what we want the most over what we want now. And the Spirit of God empowers us to do that because He nudges us in the right direction. There is a great reward to our walk with God. I remember before I became a Christ follower, before I decided to follow Jesus, I tried to do things that were right. I tried to please the people that loved me and I loved them. I tried to not betray them and not hurt them and not feel make them feel a certain way. But the more I tried, the more I ended up hurting them, the more I ended up letting them down. More I felt like I wasn't living up to what they wanted of me. And as try as much as I could still resulted in the same failure, depression, and discouragement. And no matter what I tried, I ended up hurting someone, letting down someone. See, all of that is willpower. And as we said last week, willpower wanes. Willpower has a limit. Willpower takes us thus far or this far, and then we don't have enough strength or willpower to go any further. And here's what the principle is. We don't have to live on willpower when we have an inexhaustible spirit power that comes from God. And here is the secret. If you were a Christ follower, Paul tells us that there is so much benefit, so much great things that can come from letting God be a part of our world from allowing him and i say the word allowing because we have to invite him in to be part of our lives god does not force his way in to your life you have to invite him in to be part of your world and therefore you don't have to do life alone you don't have to struggle with some of the things you struggle with because you're trying to do it in of yourself of your willpower but when God comes into our world into our life into our sphere of existence he empowers us with his spirit and therefore 
we can begin to learn how to walk more closer with him and walk in the spirit. See, Paul tried to do it his way. He tried to search after the accolades and, and the titles, and he wanted to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees, which is you know, the upper echelon of that society of the time. But all those things ultimately did not bring him any joy in life. And when he discovered Jesus, he said, all the things I achieved, I, well, I count them as nothing. They're rubbish, in fact, because I strived with all these things, but it didn't bring me any joy in life. I just did it because I thought that's what was expected of me. I was trying to be like this person. I was trying to be like that person. But none of that brought me any joy or achievement in my spirit, in my life, in my success. But when I decided to follow Jesus, I found my true identity. And Paul's success after discovering Jesus is profound. He wrote most of the New Testament. He has impacted millions of people across the world. You and I still read his writings. He still speaks to us in our daily life. He still encourages us because of the place of discovering his identity in Christ. So here's what I want you to do. This is what I would like us to do together. To take one step towards God. One step and see his benefit. And when you see that benefit, well, take another step. And another step because the more you get closer to God the more you discover who you truly are your true identity well how do you do that well you take one step by instituting one discipline in your world and it might be something simple as saying you know what I'm going to spend five minutes every day to spend a little time in exploring what God says about me, what God says about who I am. And maybe it's about saying, you know what, I'm gonna communicate with him a little bit more than I did before. I'm gonna carve out some time in my day to commune with God. We call that prayer. You know, prayer is conversation with God. And when you're in prayer, you are communicating with the one who loves you the most there's no one that loves you more than god does and it's building that communication channel it's opening the lines of communication by talking and listening and maybe you can connect with other christ followers that are going through similar circumstances you are you know one of the biggest letdowns or discouragement for christ followers is that when we go through crisis we think it's just ourselves we alone have been this way. No one else can understand. No one else can appreciate the depths of our pain, our suffering, our loss, and we want to get isolated. But the reality is that there's other people in our world, there's other people around us that have gone through similar circumstances. And if we allow ourselves to approach them and say, hey, I know you went through something similar. Can you help me understand where I'm going in this circumstance. Because you see, when we hear their story and you hear about their faith story and how they continued on in spite of difficult circumstances, what God did for them, he can do for you. How he brought them through, he's able to bring you through. And so you can rely on someone that has been through something before you to give you wisdom 
to help you get through what you're going through right now. Ask someone to help you on your journey of faith because they've been there before you. And as you do these things, you will begin to be able to recognize your true identity. It becomes clearer. It's like looking at yourself in the mirror, the mirror that's not clear, but the more you wipe off the mirror, the more you shine it, the more clear your reflection becomes. And it's the same thing here. The more we discover who we are in God, the clearer our identity becomes. And we don't have to suffer through crisis. We don't have to find value in other places because it comes from discovering who you are. It helps you see how God sees you, that he has great things in store for you. And you don't have to compromise. You don't have to look for people or places to be loved when you know that he has an everlasting love for you. And as we make these decisions, these good decisions, it takes us on this walk of faith that I'm talking about. Every step is a step closer to where you want to go. Every step is a step closer to who you want to become. Not what you have a momentary satisfaction now, but who you really want to become. And as we put these things into our lives, we become more disciplined. And another way of saying more discipline is having self-control. And did you know that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it's a product of the Spirit of God. And as you do this, you realize, hey, God is already at work in me. He's already shaping me to be what I'm supposed to be. I'm discovering my true identity in Jesus. Paul, of course, gives us this insight again. And he talks about it to the Galatians. He says, don't you know that these are the fruit of the Spirit? He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these things are a fruit of the Spirit, which means they come directly from the Spirit of God. And as you recognize these things developing in your life, because you've learned to walk in the Spirit, you've learned to make little decisions that will help you get closer to whom you want to become rather than what you want to get done. So what do you want the most? Who do you want to become? And I want you to make one decision this week, one small decision that's going to help you get closer to him. Whether it's reading a little bit of a verse and, and meditating on it and allowing God to speak to you through that verse, whether it's taking a walk out in the morning or on your walk to work or you drive in the car, whether you, you know, you're standing in the grocery line at the shopping center, whether you're, you're filling petrol at the petrol station, all of those moments are moments that we can connect with God. So make a decision. You say, you know what, today I'm going to take five minutes out of my day and just focus in. God's Spirit is going to help you 
get through this time to empower you to become who he's called you to be. He doesn't want to abandon you. He wants to equip you. He doesn't want to leave you. He wants to be with you. He doesn't want to forget about you. You are constantly on his mind. God's spirit will help you get what you want the most over what you want now. And remember, the great reward is knowing who you are in Jesus. It's discovering your true identity in him. You don't have to have an identity crisis when you have identity in Christ. And so I want to ask you to join with us in discovering who you are in God. When you discover Jesus, you discover who you really are. And so if you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to make the most important decision of your life right now. Decide if you want success, if you want to live a life that's of significance and worth, will discover who you are in God because you'll be empowered, you'll be strengthened, and you'll be able to know the true value of who you are. As we close today, I want to encourage you to join me in prayer. And I also want you to leave a comment letting us know what decision you can make or encourage someone else to make a decision or let other people know what decision you've made that's going to help you get closer to God in this season. Now let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, Father, we just want to thank you. We thank you that we have our identity in you, that we are no longer lost or, or astray or, or lost in the confusion of who we are and what we are and where we're going and what we're doing, but we have safety and security in knowing who we are in you. Our true identity is found in you. It is the first thing that we should identify in. And so often in life, we, we are bombarded by things coming to us at so many different directions to overwhelm our senses, to overwhelm our thought life, to overwhelm even our perception of things. And, and we are pulled in this direction and pulled in that direction. But Lord, steady us. Let the anchor of our spirit and our soul be anchored in you so we don't drift into troubled waters or stormy seas, but we are safe and secure in our knowledge and identity in you. We thank you for all our friends, family, transformers that are watching today. Will you continue to bless them, God? Continue to encourage them. Continue to help them lean into you so they can truly discover who they are in you. And that all of us together can be empowered to live a life of success in whatever field of influence or existence we have, whether it's at work, at home, on the bus, in the car, in the shopping centers, wherever it may be, that we'll truly be secure in our identity in you. We thank you today. Bless your church. Bless your people. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for discovering who we are in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.